there's a lot of needs that you have as an investor, and they really start with having organized bookkeeping. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, as always, Yona Weiss, and today... I have another incredible guest, really excited today because I think today's guest may be the person that I've known the longest of any other guests on the Weiss Advice podcast. It is quite possible. Dan Lukowitz might be a close second. I'm not sure, <laughs> but but we have Daniel Hyman today on the podcast. How are you doing, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, so great to, to join you here. Uh, big fan of the podcast, big fan of you. We've known each other for many years and great to hang out together today. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, if you don't know who Daniel is, well, I'm going to give you a little introduction. And by the end of this podcast, hopefully you'll know him a lot better and uh, make sure to connect with him. We are, we're talking about Daniel Hyman. He's a CPA and not only CPA, he is a real estate specific focused CPA, the founder of My Online Accountant, which you can find at myonlineaccountant.co, co, not com. And he is a real estate investor himself, originally from the big state of Texas. In fact, we spent a Shabbat there one time. We spent a weekend once in Texas. Do you remember that? It was like 20 years ago. I do. That was awesome. UT, right? That's right. <laughs> and uh, and now he's he lives currently in, in Wisconsin and deals with, like I said, a real estate investor and deals with real estate investors uh, in his real estate accounting Firm. So Daniel, give us a little background. How'd you go from, from Texas? I know, well, I know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear from you what kind of your progression from, from being, uh, well, let's just, let's just leave it open and see where you want to take it. How did you get into <laughs> accounting and how did you get into specifically focused on real estate? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, after my, my education, you know, I spent some time abroad. We were hanging out together for, for some time and I ended up working on on a campus, I was and I was teaching on a campus, uh, mentoring some college students there, and it was right around 0809 with the financial crisis, and I was kind of at a crossroads with my career and kind of wondering which way to go. And at the time, I was thinking of something that's uh, quote unquote secure. Not that anything is, but fewer things are more secure than accounting. You know what they say, death and taxes, right? So that's kind of when I uh, I went back to school. This was a second degree. My first degree was at uh, in Texas for philosophy. My my second degree, I went back to school for accounting. And it was in there that I kind of ended up in auditing. I was in an auditing firm in New York for a while. Quickly realized that was not for me. I knew I wanted to start something on my own, which I did. We started my online accountant back in 2013. And in those days, you know, having a, an online accounting firm was somewhat revolutionary, definitely raised a few eyebrows, but turned out, especially now after COVID, that it's it's the only way to do accounting pretty much. And yeah, I mean, the real estate kind of came sort of sort of by by need. We were getting some clients in the door. Um, at that point, we were, we were just a, a generalist firm. We weren't uh, specializing in anything, but there were a lot of folks who had properties and real estate questions, and they just couldn't get good advice. And that's kind of we, where we sort of found ourselves. Um, and it's kind of just grown from there. That's awesome. And, you know, we 
when we reconnected, I guess maybe about five five years ago or so, you introduced me to something called Bigger Pockets. Now, I had come across Bigger Pockets when I was doing some lending uh, before I started the you know more active in real estate and the cost segregation business. So I was familiar with it from like a lending side and I saw the forums and stuff like that. It's going back maybe like seven, eight years, but you introduced me to it as like a forum and to be active on it. And it was something that to me was like, even before I became really active on LinkedIn, I was becoming very active on bigger pockets because I saw the forums were an opportunity, a place to actually share your knowledge and and learn from others. Like you said, people ask questions. And then if you don't know the answer, you go and, and research it, or you go and you ask other experts that colleagues of yours, or whatever, and then you can provide some, some clarity on that. And that gets posted up there in the forums. That's there forever. All right. It's, it's really online. I think one of the best things that you introduced to me in terms of that was just how you can become recognized as an expert and there are not very many of those out there on bigger pockets. I mean, it's filled with newbies. It's filled with uh, fix and flippers. It's filled with people asking all kinds of questions. But there are very few kind of specialty experts that uh, can provide knowledge on that. So, tell us a little bit about your journey through bigger pockets and how that actually helped to uh, accelerate the, your career with the online accounting. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Bigger Pockets is a, a phenomenal resource. I joined Bigger Pockets for for two purposes. One was to be helpful and, and answer a question on the site as much as I could. Naturally, that gave me exposure, helped bring in clients to our firm who were looking for tax support, but also as an investor myself. I mean, I was really very wet behind the ears with real estate when I first joined but gained tremendous knowledge just in terms of being an investor, um, what to look for, how to evaluate deals, market analysis, everything. Everything's on bigger pockets. And that really gave me a boost in my investing career as well. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the of the of the site and all it's done for for my career. And I'm it's been wonderful to to bounce back together with you on it as well, Yana. Yeah, absolutely. And uh it has been an incredible way to network with others as well. Even before COVID, I think you had in-person meetup in Milwaukee for real estate investors, right? Where you bring people together. I hope thinking about bringing that back because it's, I think networking is really what it's all about. Yeah. You know, I, I love the networking. I love the smaller networking. I love the large networking. And there's actually a bigger pockets conference also for, for, and, and all these other real estate conferences that I know you're, you're a part of, uh, you're very well known in the industry, but for sure, now that COVID is ending, uh, that we hope there'll be more opportunities for that. All right. So let's dig in a little bit about taxes because everyone is interested in taxes. You said it's something nobody can avoid, right? So you deal with real estate specifically, and there are a lot of real estate investors on many different levels out there, whether they're wholesalers or brokers or fix and flippers or investing in long-term and short-term, multifamily, you name it, everything in between. Tell me like one or two tips, if you will, for anyone on every level, like what are the things that they need to be focused on. I know you, your company does bookkeeping services as well. So that's something that I really know very little about the bookkeeping side of things. Uh, but it seems like something that probably people should know about. So give me maybe a couple of pointers, a couple of tips people should always keep in mind. Yeah. You know, um, I think that the, the, the first thing when it comes to bookkeeping is, is being organized. Your, your bookkeeping is really the language of your business. You want to make sure that your bookkeeping is intact. Your bookkeeping is intact for management purposes. You need to be able to manage your 
your portfolio, like a business, you need to make sure your bookkeeping and record keeping are intact for audit purposes. If there's an audit, you don't want to be scratching your head trying to figure out where that document is. You want your bookkeeping and record keeping to be intact tax purposes. And you want your bookkeeping and record keeping to be intact for lending purposes. So yeah, but there's a lot of needs that you have as an investor. And they really start with having organized bookkeeping. And really, that's more of a, a marathon than a sprint. So what I mean by that is you want to create a system and work at that system to make sure it's organized, whether you're doing your bookkeeping on a monthly, quarterly, or even an annual basis. But having a system, and I always advise investors to work with a bookkeeping professional or even a CPA to help create that system while their portfolio is small so that while they grow, they have the building blocks to grow it on. Interesting. And when you say bookkeeping, I mean, you're talking about like certain online programs where you're, you know, everything in your business is getting filtered through that, all of the invoices and et cetera. Even, even someone who's a small individual, let's say someone who has like one property, right? Or their one rental property, you, you still think that needs to be set up. Yeah, I, I don't know if they necessarily need some um, heavy-duty software, but at least having a spreadsheet where they're inputting their transactions. Every transaction should be codified um, and classified correctly so that when it comes tax time, they have a correct listing of their income and expenses. When it comes to lending, they have a profit and loss that they can provide to their lenders. So it doesn't have to be complicated, but it should be something, whether that's a spreadsheet or accounting software, that's going to depend on each individual. Would you recommend something like, as a question gets asked a lot in the forums, stuff like that, but having a separate bank account for different properties or different entities or things like that? Or is it okay to have like one bank account for everything and, and just kind of make sure to track it? Yeah, there's not a cookie cutter answer to that. I would say that it really depends on how the, the, the portfolio is structured. So for an LLC, an LLC is going to require its own banking. So LLCs, you want everything segregated, not only for tax purposes, but for asset protection purposes as well. And when I say everything, I mean, not only your bank account, but a separate credit card, a separate bookkeeping ledger, your loan, your, your title, all of those should be in the name of the, of the EIN of the LLC and not under your social. But even without an LLC, I think it behooves investors to keep their transactions in a separate account because that's going to make it easier when they're doing their bookkeeping, you know, as opposed to going through your entire personal bank statement and teasing out, you know, what's a business transaction. It's a lot easier to do that when you know the entire statement is filled with business transactions. You see people getting caught up in that a lot where you have to kind of untangle the personal account from the business transactions and there's some gray area and was this was this really a business write-off? Was it not? I mean, it's much harder, as you say, much harder to go back and, and try to figure that out retroactively than it is to just have it set up the right way. Yeah, we see it all the time. And um, especially with house hacking now, which is very, a very uh, popular uh, form of where, where a lot of investors get their start. There's a lot of gray area with shared expenses, what's considered personal, what's considered business. So yeah, it's not rocket science, but I think the more an investor spends a little bit of time upfront kind of understanding the basics, the better it'll serve them as they grow their portfolio. Awesome. I appreciate that. Let's let's turn a little bit because there are, I mean, we've talked about this a lot of times on the podcast, that real estate is probably the most tax advantaged business that's out there. I mean, you, when we talk about depreciation, we talk about cost segregation, obviously those are things that are 
near and dear to my heart. But are there other types of strategies within real estate that may be overlooked or things that people can take advantage of just by investing in real estate? Yeah, you know, there's so many advantages. And again, it's really going to depend on each individual's goals and what they're trying to accomplish. We like to say not to invest in real estate solely for the for the tax benefits. But if you're investing, you might as well understand the tax benefits. You know, as you're well aware of, you know, one of the very popular strategies nowadays is cost segregation on a highly cash flowing property, such as something like a short term rental. And I know that's something that a lot of your clients are into, a lot of my clients are into. Uh, there's a lot of crossover there. Very popular strategy. A lot of folks trying to make it in this last year of the of the 100% bonus depreciation before that starts to to phase out a bit. There's so many strategies out there. You know, one of the one of, just just understanding the basics, I think, is so helpful. Just to understand the passive nature of rental income, the avoidance of self-employment taxes to understand what depreciation does and how you're really getting this wonderful benefit using leverage to, to acquire a property um, and then taking advantage of that, of that depreciation throughout the life of the property. You can front load a lot of that with cost seg, using the, those funds initially to invest and grow your portfolio even faster. So there's, there's tons out there. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we we know a lot about that. Right? But you've uh, you you've grown a lot. Obviously, your firm when you started back in 2013, uh, it was like you said, it was kind of almost taboo. Like there was not a lot of online accounting companies, virtual accounting firms. Nowadays, it's much more natural. Everyone's meeting virtually, but and you had pushback in that. Also, you, you know, you've grown, you've kind of transformed over the years, uh, recently kind of rebranding a little bit and recouping, uh, finding the right partner obviously was, was a, a good step for you. How are you growing this company? And tell us a little bit about the background of growing an online virtual accounting firm. Yeah, you know, it's it's really been slow growth. You know, we're not one of those companies that overnight just completely blossomed. It's been a very long spring, so it's taken time. But thankfully, we're, we're at a, a good spot now. I think it really starts with having good processes in place. You know, we want to make things as easy as possible for our clients, as, as efficient and streamlined. So we use technology in order to, to, uh, to facilitate that. But then another thing is also just having the right partner. As you alluded to, our firm has a few different iterations. I'm, I'm grateful now that I'm, I'm with a, a partner that, that's also virtual. So funny enough, all of the CPAs in our firm have never been together in person. Throughout um, our almost 10 years, everything is virtual. Even our meetings, we've never once stepped foot in the same room together. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Was it? Is there any like plans to ever do that? Like get together and have like a retreat or something like that? Or it's just you know, I guess you it works well for everyone. Just keep it going. Yeah, at this point, it might just be too weird to see each other in person. <laughs> That's amazing, though. You know, it's what's incredible to me is that there's so much versatility. When you give someone the freedom to work virtually, work on their own schedule, and work on you know doing what they're doing best, they kind of thrive. And people, not everyone's built for that. You know, so, but I feel like accountants may be more built for that than others, right? Yeah, there's a lot that you know. In, in a virtual firm, you have to be able to, to to manage your own time well. You have to be able to manage your own workflow. You know, nobody's looking over your shoulder, and so it, it really takes some self discipline, and and that means getting the right people in the right positions, um, and then yeah, like you said, empowering them. Management is something that's a constant work in progress. That's 
that's kind of one of the roles I play in our company and sort of, of sort of the uh, quarterback of everybody. But, but yeah, you know, if, if everybody can just run the right route I and mean, the ball is where it needs to be and everybody just does their job, you know, good things would happen. Absolutely. It's got to be challenging. I can imagine, right? It's hard enough being a manager and, and running a company when you can see everyone, when you can deal with everything. Here you're putting a lot of trust on, like you said, people taking their own uh, time management into their own control. And I guess the, uh, the results speak for themselves. So I guess you can judge based on that. Yeah. And nobody's perfect. And, and we're still learning things as we go along. And we learn from other virtual firms. Um, you know, we're not the only virtual uh, CPA firm out there, nor are we the only virtual real estate CP, CPA firm out there. And, um, you know, some of the other CPAs on Bigger Pockets are colleagues of mine and, and we get together and kind of discuss discuss some of our challenges and how to face those challenges. So that's also kind of nice is how, having that virtual support group. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to have colleagues, like you said, people who you can relate to, people who are going through similar struggles. I think in every every business or every type of industry that there is, that's definitely something you want to make sure you have. People Absolutely. Can, yeah, bounce ideas off of and just you know, have sounding boards. I think it's really important. That's awesome. Daniel, this has, been, this has been amazing. I want to transition now to what we call the final four. I know you're familiar with this, right? This is four questions. I ask all my guests, and I know you're familiar because you listen to the podcast and I appreciate that. So all you listeners out there, if you ever want to be a guest on the show, all you got to do is send me a, send me a message. Maybe we'll bring you up also. Love to have great guests. Obviously people who, who I've known for a long time and is much easier to have a conversation with, but feel free to reach out. But let's do this right now, Daniel. Final four, four first question to you. What is the worst job that you ever had? Yeah. And I want you to know, Yona, I, I, I knew which four questions were coming. I knew they were coming down the pipeline, and I actually spent a lot of time thinking about three of the four questions. I didn't have to spend much time thinking about number one. <laughs> this first question was an easy one. So my very first accounting job was at a, uh, a mid-sized firm, and I was, uh, I was a rookie accountant. I didn't even have my CPA license at that point. I didn't know what was flying, but I walk into the room. This is the first day on the job, and the partner at the firm takes me to the the file closet. Now, if you go to the file closet, just imagine, you know, this old school room filled with like, you know, thousands of manila folder files of all their clients for the last 50 years. And they were going digital. And my job was to help them go digital by scanning that entire room filled with manila folders. Oh. <laughs> so I spent, I don't know how many weeks of my very first accounting job, literally taking one manila folder and taking all the papers out, scanning them into the scanner. Some were stapled. So I had to take the staple remover and remove them and then restaple them. And yeah, so that was the, that's what you went to accounting school for, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I can't imagine. doesn't sound like so much fun there. Okay. Second question. Love to hear your answer on this. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So there's a lot out there. I think the one that I settled on was a book called um, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying um, by Bronnie Ware. Bronnie Ware was a aide for um, hospice. And she saw hundreds of people through their, their last days on this world. And she kind of compiled this list of the five top regrets that people have. That book was an amazing paradigm shift because it really shifts your focus into what is really important in life. And, you know, 
you know, Yona, you know how many hours we spent working, we spend during our day and how much of it is focused on being able to put bread on the table for our families, which is a, a noble thing to do. But it's so easy to get caught up in that. And we forget, you know, the whys and we forget that it's a, a means to an end as opposed to an end of its of itself. So, you know, Bronnie Ware kind of spells out what's really important in life. What 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 do people go through life thinking they they wish they would have done differently? And one of those regrets was people wish they hadn't worked so hard. So I think it's just important to keep that in mind. You know, you, you know, you you really emphasize this a lot with with, with your messages. You know, yes, we're going to be spending time working, but you know, what are we doing through that work? How are we how are we helping others? How are we making this more of a meaningful experience? Right. Just to that point, the, if the work itself is a is an end to itself, meaning it's also helping to fulfill some of those, uh, you know, the purposeful meaning uh, of what you're brought here in the world to do, then I think that there's a obviously then it's going to be that won't be a regret, meaning you won't ever say that, oh, I wish I didn't work so hard. If the work itself is so fulfilling that it's actually helping to fulfill your your life's purpose. But to that point, when you have a family and the more time you're working, the less time you spend with them, you know, the quality time obviously is is so important. So I appreciate you bringing that up. That's amazing. I never, never read that. I've heard the concept, right? About this before, this uh, five most uh, regrets. And I've heard that, that working too hard is one of them. I'm curious to hear what the other four are. So we'll put that in the show notes and definitely put that on the book list. Uh, third question, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Yeah, you know, this is also a tough one. Okay, so uh, I'm not a late sleeper. You know, I, I wake up at a pretty decent hour, but I want to be one of those like really green beret guys who can wake up like super early and get a lot done. So that's been a constant challenge of mine throughout life, like waking up early. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there. Um, but, you know, being able to wake up early, I think, is is something I've always really wanted to put a lot of emphasis on. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Jocko, Jocko Wilt. Yeah, sure. Uh, Willing, but he talks a lot about this. He says, he says, you know, what you can do in the morning is you, you can do things that are important to your life, but not necessarily important to that day. Yeah. So his, his example is exercise, right? A person says, okay, it's not so important for me to exercise today. I have a lot to do, but you know that if you don't exercise, it's going to affect you negatively. So he says, wake up early, exercise, because it's important for your life, even though it's not necessarily important to your day. So for sure, yeah, I want to be one of those guys who can wake up at like 4.30 and get in like a whole day's worth, like the army. Yeah. Uh, before my day actually starts. So you got to check out Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. So that's a great book. Put that on your book list at the top of the list, because that's something that I'm not an early waker <laughs> by any means, but, uh, but I can definitely appreciate that. There's definitely been periods in my life where I have been, been that you know person who gets up at four o'clock in the morning, but that's not me today it's for, for various reasons. Well, depending on the time zone, that is. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, check out how Elrod's uh, Miracle Morning, very powerful book and talks about just how you can do that. And some challenges there also, meaning, you know, giving yourself accountability, finding partners or finding someone else you can do it together with is actually helpful. Um, so fourth and final question, Dan, we're going to move to what does success mean to you? Yeah, you know, for me, I think successful really means balanced, being, sort of being balanced in all the different facets of one's life, right? There. Uh, 
physical, professional, family, spiritual, mental. So all the different spaces that you have, all those compartments. So it's so easy to put more weight into one and, and it's a constant balancing act. But um, but I think the more that um, that we as humans can can balance those different areas, the more successful we'll be. 100%, right? The golden path, right? That's what it's all about. Just being balanced. You know, everything in life works best when it's in a state of balance. So you're absolutely right on that. So that's a beautiful definition of success. I don't think everyone's ever phrased it quite like that, which is amazing because we've had over 200 episodes and everyone has a a slightly different answer. A lot are are similar, but this one, I love it because it really does just kind of give that what well, you said, balance. And that's really what it's all about. So thank you, Daniel. We, we mentioned, you know, where people can reach out to you at myonlineaccounting.co, my, excuse me, myonlineaccountant.co. But where can people let you, let you take this one for our listeners? How can people find you or reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. So I'm always hanging around bigger pockets. So if you're active there, feel free to to be in touch there. I'd love to network. Otherwise, LinkedIn, definitely starting my uh, my LinkedIn journey. So you can uh, catch me there or just find me on, uh, on our website. Shoot me a, an email. And let, let me know how we can um, uh, hang out together. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Always awesome to catch up and to spend time with you, Daniel. So I appreciate you coming on the show. And I hope our listeners got a lot of value out of this. I certainly did. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, Yana. You're the best. And to our listeners, you guys are really the best. So thank you for listening all the way to the end. And remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.